Listening Dog Media. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. The Rugby Podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. Welcome back to Rocket with me, Kieran Bracken, and my co-host, Nick Easter. Uh, Nick Easter, who's now taken up the fantastic job in the newly promoted Premiership team, Newcastle Falcons. So, Nick, you're looking uh, you're looking pretty dapper in your your Newcastle hotel at the moment. How are things going? They're going very well, mate. They're going very well. Uh, first day today, obviously distance training and getting the swab right up your your nostril and uh, the back of your mouth, which wasn't pleasant. But uh, it's great to be back in the mix, mate, with a Premiership side and doing something I love. I have to say, I drove up here last night and uh, it was a quite, yeah, it was a five hour drive, but it actually went quite quickly. And uh, and it was a lovely day, but then I get five minutes from Newcastle, big gray cloud, the heavens open, mate. And it was literally <laughs> God's way of saying, welcome to the North, you Southern softy. Get used to it. Well, listen, I, mean, I think the, the biggest thing is, I hope most of them can understand you. So you may have to speak the Queen's English a bit better, mate. If you need any lessons, let me know. <laughs> Someone that says Falcons. 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 Whatever, it's all the same. Falcons. You know what? You know what I mean. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. What's your role there? I know you're a defence coach, but you're more than just a defence coach, aren't you? So I'm sure, I mean, D- Dean Richards, he sort of likes his coaches to, to do a little bit more than just their one expertise. So, you know, you, what is it exactly? Is it just defence? And also, you know, how does someone like Newcastle Falcons prepare for next season when you can see everyone else getting battle-hard ready? They're sort of, you know, we'll talk about the Premiership and, and how, it's, um, how it's shaping up. But, but from your point of view, it's pretty difficult other than maybe you've got an opportunity to see all the other clubs, how they're sort of, try, you know, trying some of the new guys, trying some of the young guys. You know, how do you really prepare and your role? What's your exact role? Is it just defence? Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, you all have your your area that um, you're ultimately responsible for. Mine is um, defence and the breakdown. Um, but, you know, good coaching groups and, you know, we had good discussions today as well, have to be joined up. You know, there has to be a holistic approach. You can't compartmentalise and be selfishly, look, this is, I don't care about what's going on elsewhere. This is all I care about because you won't be successful for a start and you don't get the best out of everything. And uh, you know what the game of rugby is, mate. It's a continuity game when it's done well and it needs all aspects to function. So likewise, you know, Mickey Ward does, you know, the scrums and he's done a breakdown before. I'll be, you know, you know, bashing heads with him or brainstorming with him, you know, helping out also from the forwards perspective. Um, Dave Walder's the head coach there, so he sort of oversees everything and... um, you know, it's uh, you know we'll we'll all sort of have our say, shall we say, and be able to challenge each other and support each other. And um, but in terms of the workload uh, being split and separated, and you know who's responsible for what areas, I am defence uh, and breakdown. And I'm sure we'll get into the breakdown later because uh, yeah. that's been a talking point. But uh, that's that side of it. In terms of what you say, Brax, with regards, you know, our season. You know, hopefully, if if all continues to you know fulfil the fixtures and the fixture list, our season after our first game back in the Premiership won't be until the twenty first of November, so that's three months away. Yeah. And yes, we won't be battle hardened after nine games in seven weeks and potentially a few more. 
but I see it as a huge advantage. I see us being able to have a proper three-month pre-season, um, whereas the other clubs, you know, that they were in lockdown, people, individuals are doing their own thing and they sort of come back and they've only got a month to prepare and they've actually got the end of season to prepare for. So it's very, very different. We'll have a, a good month to prepare in pre-season. Hopefully during that time, we won't pick up, you know, many injuries that you might do playing, you know, premiership games. Um and we'll we'll be very very fresh come November and come the middle of the season. You know you could, you know, you, you could see a few sides feeling like it's one season joined. You know, all rolled into one. You know, these nine games only sort of four or five weeks off, and what's you know they're only probably going to get a two week break, aren't they? And then they're going to have to start again. And lastly, I see you know it's an opportunity to sort of look at the other teams without the pressure of preparing yourself. So, mm. you know, I've obviously been watching a lot of the Premiership games. Um, uh, from different angles, obviously now sort of back on the software that uh, that we get, and you can start sort of planning and preparing for the opposition you're playing for. And you know, if needs be, when when you come to play them in sort of three four months' time, you sort of pull it out of drawer. They're doing sort of similar things and you know similar tactics there because I don't think like from the end of the season to a normal season with that break, sometimes you're influenced by what's going on in the southern hemisphere and trends. You know, rugby's rugby, but trends sometimes change. Yeah, you know, new new introductions come into play, and you're always a bit sceptical about, well, how are they going to play? How are they going to play? You know, what's going to be, you know, the the, the main the main focus? But uh, I think with a four week turnaround and you know nine games rolled into seven weeks, going to be tough with with you know semi finals and quarter finals and finals. It's going to be full on for those guys, and uh, yeah, well, obviously we'd like to be involved, but uh, I think you've got to look at the positives. There's no point in saying I wish we were involved in that. We're not, but what can we do? Well, we can get a damn good pre-season. We can prepare very well. Um, we can certainly have a look at the opposition and uh, we can just get our house in order. Just out of interest, I mean, um, I, I've been so encapsulated in the Premiership and looking at all the signings and we'll go on <laughs> to that. We'll, we could talk about uh, Mali Tulangri and uh, Sami Rondrada and all of those sort of players. But from your point of view, signings, do you have a team from what you've seen? Do you have a team that's coming up that uh, that you think will compete well um, at the top? And and also, in a way, from your point of view, it's quite a risky job to take on because any team that comes up from the championship, normally it's a Premiership team who's sort of gone down, uh, had a bit of you know a bit unlucky with injuries and form and stuff, and gone down. But they always bounce back up. But what tends to happen is they're never quite ready, especially defensively, for what you you know what you face in attack. And you've taken on a pretty tough role defensively um, because, to some extent, the, that team sometimes become the whipping boys of some of the the better teams in the Premiership. So, firstly, that's quite a big that's a quite a big ballsy uh, role to take on. But is there is there enough quality up there? Are there enough? Good signings that you you have you made use of the fact that uh, you know COVID's around and there's a lot of players out there. Have you have you done a sale and have you signed a load of players that um, you know from abroad or, or what's what's been the policy on on those fronts? Yeah, well, for, first of all, mate, I, I like a challenge. You know, if I don't want it to be easy, and uh, you know, I lick my lips at that. Otherwise, what's the point? Um, we got a good group of lads. Look, it's no secret that uh, our budgets. You know, probably the least in the Premiership, even even after or post COVID, if you like, where other sides are taking a hit and there's been a reduction. Mm. Um, but you know, it is what it is, and uh, ultimately, 
you know, you're picking from, you know, I'm looking at the squad, you know, today and, you know, the, the games I've sort of watched from last season as well. And you're picking from the top talent in the northeast and, and Scotland, in, you know, the sort of local area, if you like. So you have got that sort of catchment area to sort of pick from. Um, and we've got some, you know, good players already established there, like some Mark Wilson, Will Welsh, who's captain the side before. Yeah. Um, you know, Toby Flood, obviously, he's been around, isn't he, at 10 as well. Um, Sinotti, Sinotti's still there. Um, you know, we, we, we got some good players that have been there, played many premiership games, were part of the premiership side um, that came fourth, was it two, three years ago, the year before, and then they got relegated to the next year. Um and, you know, there's a couple of signings coming in, but, uh, you know, Dean as himself, but also understanding the need to balance the books because financially rugby is not in a good place wherever you are. Mm. Um, I think us not being, you know, um, not playing these games now probably may help a little bit, um, you know, to keep the doors open when no fans are coming in, I think, and, you know, paying full salary, uh, you know, that they've been doing for the last two months. I think a lot of the premiership clubs will be feeling the squeeze. Um, and it's going to be, you know, financially a strain and you're going to have to work within your constraints. And uh, Dino's one of the best guys to be able to do that. But he also gets people that want to play for the club. You know, as I mentioned, yeah. local lads, but also the right signings from abroad. And, uh, um, you know, we signed, you know, Couple of lads, Art, Italian lock, Argentinian centre, scrum half. I used to, you know, coach down in South Africa, um, and he knows how to get, uh, you know, a squad together. Really, and look, it's going to be difficult. Of course, it is always for the side going up. Make no bones about it. That's the challenge. That's the beauty of it, and that's what keeps driving you and wanting you to get out of bed and uh, and graft and uh, you know try and make the individuals and the team better ultimately. And as I said, you know, having a three three month build up, I think. Uh, is, is a good way to go about it. More importantly, this is just for me, though, and probably some of our listeners, have you tasted Newcastle properly like we used to in the old days? <laughs> I've had a few nights out here before, never been disappointed. <laughs> so, very welcoming. I came up last night and uh, Dino and a few of the coaches took me out for a curry. So, uh, you know, very, very close to the hotel. Um, oh, it was a clean one as well. It wasn't a dodgy one. I didn't have to visit the bathroom at all today, uh, or sorry, last night. So, um, you know, just want just want to in, uh, in you know welcome you into the group really. And uh, look, it's one day in. Um, it's good to be back. Yeah. Um, probably need to speak to me in a few weeks' time. <laughs> Definitely. So, listen. <laughs> you say you've been watching a lot of rugby, and you've got a different different sort of uh, angle now. You're actually representing a, a Premiership club, so you're watching it with different spectacles as I would from my point of view but um, I guess really we've been waiting so long for, for for rugby to start and eventually it start and uh, you know we should talk about the movers and shakers I mean that you know we were all excited to see what sale for example would look like with Manu Tuolangi in their side very excited and they've lost their first two games and you look at Semi I, I can never pronounce it quite right because it's it's said Semi Redrada Red, 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 no, but in the TV they say Rendranda or Rendranda. Yeah, but anyway, we saw for the first time what a global superstar he was at the weekend. I mean, one try, two, three assists, the little offloads out the back were just yeah. uh, unbelievable. Makes it look too easy, didn't he? He playing makes, look, he makes it look too easy. But now, but before we talk about the players, those players, I just want to get your take on the, on the the breakdown. Now you're going to be coaching it quite a lot, and I think the biggest. 
the biggest thing when the New Zealand oratoria matches were played, the emphasis was the referees. There was loads of penalties, wasn't there? Loads of penalties. And we were all talking what will happen when we resume the premiership. And they said, no, no, we're not going to follow suit. We're not going to do that. And actually, uh, I don't know whether you noticed, but the, the penalty rate is now up to 26 per game uh, on average. And before lockdown, it was 19. And a lot of these we've seen have been at the breakdown. Now, you're you're a specialist in the breakdown. You're actually coaching it. What's your take? Has it ruined the game or is this going to be a short, short-term sort of pain for long-term gain? I think more the latter, mate. I think the game was actually becoming boring in the sense that it was phase after phase after phase. And, you, you know, most turnovers that were happening, not all were the ball getting kicked back. And uh, it was almost a gimme every single time a team took the ball into the breakdown, given the advantage the attack had and how pro-attack referees were. Rugby is a contest for possession, Brax. That, that is ultimately what it is for, for all shapes and sizes, but a contest for possession, whether it be the ball in the air, you know, the tackle, the carry, the breakdown, the scrum, the line out. And, and we can't lose that. And we were in danger of losing that. Um, so what it's done is it's given balance back to the game. And some people are saying, yeah, look, the ball in play, the stoppages also, I think, you know, the early rounds of the premiership have been a bit sloppy, haven't they? You know, people getting to know each other. Yeah. Interestingly, the Super Rugby, you know, Ayatura was was very slick um, in the you know throughout, even in the opening week. So mm. it's interesting the sort of philosophies and where the balance of uh, you know priority lies as well um, between the two hemispheres. But uh, it, look, the players have to adapt; they have to adjust. I think it's brought the jackaler back in, and ultimately, you know, people who say moan about it, the stoppages, well, turnover balls, the best ball you can attack off. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're getting these turnovers, like the Wasp row, especially who have been outstanding over the ball, then you know that's just going to feed your attack and make the game far more excited. From a, from a you know broken field running is certainly from a visual point of view and an entertainment point of view, what people want to see or most people want to see. Uh, the purists maybe not, and I think they just got to get used to it. It's um, you know I think you know looking at it, you know it's the early rounds now. I think if you wanted that, this is very early on. If you wanted to give it a bit more balance, I it's probably a bit too in favour of the defence now. Um, you know, as soon as they get a hand on the ball and they lift it, it seems to be holding on penalty. But uh, yeah, yeah. it's just allowing maybe the 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 ball carrier, and this has obviously been outlawed, um, maybe one roll. You know, because yeah. you're not allowed to roll. Um, so if you're allowed in one roll, because because a lot of a lot of these. Turnovers are actually when the ball carrier gets isolated, but through good play. So if he breaks the tackle and gets in behind the line, Wabs is his support or further away from him, and then you've got very good guys like Jack Willis, Tom Young's coming over the ball. That's it, and it's sort of like you're getting punished for actually playing well sometimes, um, as opposed to the two support guys expecting to run into a brick wall and just preparing for a ruck there and winning that one. Whereas when he's actually you know, put a bit of footwork on or evasive, evasive action, whatever it is, he's become isolated and it's a bit of a punishment. But at the same time, you know, what, what you could see is, you know, a little bit more offloading, you know, keep the ball alive, keep it off the floor, take it away from the jackal. So, you know, you've, you've got to be able to be adaptable. And, you know, you can't hope that they change the laws to favour the attack a bit more. You've just got to figure out ways around it. Where do you attack? Do you attack a little bit closer? Do you attack a little bit wider out? Do you, attack, you know, do you kick a little bit more? Um and uh, look, you know, it's up to us coaches to figure that out. 
So, yeah, I mean, it's it's quite interesting, you know, watching the different referees interpret it. But again, you know, it always seemed that the that the idea was to favour the attacking side. And you're right, it's now becoming almost like a 50-50. In fact, you know, the early scrum is uh, one thing when I when I used to put a ball in a scrum, they always had to put it down the middle. I know it changed over the years. It just became like, like rugby league. But there was always a contest that, like you say, it's about a contest. And at the scrum time, the hookers used to go you know, tooth and nail to try and hook the ball back. But uh, the thing is, that's frustrating, is that you've got those sort of changes and then you look at you look at what's happening at the scrum time, you know, the resetting of the scrum, scrums in some of these games. What The thing is, what's annoyed me is that that in the olden days, when you look at the old videos, when when a scrum collapsed, you, they'd basically just get up, rebind and uh, go down and crack on again. But nowadays, it seems to like uh, they'd spend forever slowing the game down and getting their binds again. So, and also... Uh, the, also, the other one is the is you know they've got the you know the, the way they link at the back. You saw Rex, you may have seen a picture in the papers about eight players all linked at the back of a, oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a rock, and then caterpillar, caterpillar. It's just ridiculous. But those are the things that we need to change as well. You know, we need to get rid of a few things like that. And uh, yeah, I and, think and, I, I think uh, we we've spoken about it before. I think the, you know that's the clearance kick and the sort of long ruck and protection, everything in a time wasting. Because the other thing, Brax, actually, I've watched these games and they say there's a five-second rule after use it. There's a few referees said use it. Oh, Look at the I'd... clock. Look at the clock. It's eight seconds before they use it and they haven't penalised yeah. it. I haven't once seen a team penalised. No. No. So that's pointless. What you need to do is you need to go, as soon as there's two people bound on their feet, right, then you've got to use it. Yeah. So as soon as two people in the ruck on their feet are bound, so it's no, so it's not a contestable ruck anymore. It's clear yeah. it's not a contestable ruck. Then you've got to use it there and then. Yeah, you've got to do yeah. something to change it. And I think the scrum, the reason you make it scrum. three seconds, or or the referee, it's his discretion, and he just goes five, four, three. Yeah, that's probably three. two, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. So let's talk about the the. I mean, the quality of the rugby has been a bit stilted, really, apart from. Uh, like you know, the last game with Samuel and Dranda just running rings around people. But you know, I was very excited to see Manu doing it. Let's talk about a few of the teams. So Sale, who've signed all of these players, and Mano and a big fanfare, and we all thought, wow, this is going to be they, they got a chance now getting to the final. But they really struggled. Why did it? They struggled. Or not using Manu properly, or did just they take? Well, time I think um, in all fairness, I thought it was a really good game on Friday night. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, the two most powerful teams, certainly in terms of on paper, um, and Exeter were clear winners. Um, you know, their mall really took the game away. Um, you know, they, they dominated the line out, the airwaves, and, and they, they went to their mall. And Sale were really on top. You know, they came out of the blocks, first 25 minutes, in their faces defensively, knocking them back, turnovers, scored two tries, used Manu very well um, yeah. in the game. But they're playing the best team in the country. And I yeah. don't think take anything away from that and it was the week before they were you know very lackluster it was a poor game down at Quinn's wasn't it um, oh okay. the, awful game. Game. Uh, the penalties wasn't it they gave away a ridiculous yeah amount. look and uh, oh, I'm yeah. not sure I'm not sure you know has the referee been as consistent as in New Zealand in the opening rounds you know uh, they seem to sort of get it quite right in terms of entry in terms of role in terms of jackal in terms of uh, um Offsides as well. I've not seen offsides penalised, and there's been plenty of offsides. No. Um, you know, plenty of offsides, and they penalised them down in New Zealand, and it frees up the game. Frees up the game because 
I don't buy this when, you, you know, referees often say, well, if there's a, you know, you've got to have empathy for the game. If there's a player offside in the outside centre channel and you've hit the pot of forwards up and they've crashed it up, well, he has an effective play. Well, he has effective play because the 10 might have called for the ball because he would have seen the space there and mm. seen the opportunity. But because he's offside and probably off the line a little bit quicker and in the face, then you've shut down that opportunity. So I think we could be a little bit um, better with that. And I think that might actually help the attack and therefore you might have what you want from a breakdown point of view, Brett. It'd be, inter- be interesting though, what your take on uh, <coughs> on who you think is going to be in the top four and who's not. I mean, if you'd have asked us a month, a few months ago, we'd have said definitely <coughs> with Sale having signed Manu and some South Africans, you kind of thought, well, they were probably going to be the team who were going to challenge extra. I think before the first game was played after lockdown, they were saying, yeah, it looks like Sale are going to be the team now to beat and they could steal it from Exeter. Yeah. And and then and then you look at the likes of Wasps and you talk about the way that the, the, the rules have slightly changed to favour those sort of teams, you know, with... Um, we know that they're back row at the breakdown. So, you know, some very good players there. And and Bath look quite resurgent as well. And at the same time, in the background, you see a bit of a free fall at Leicester. You're still not sure where they're going and how they're going to regroup. It's such a shame. I don't know whether you saw Bath, Leicester, but I guess Leicester chose some young players for the game. But Bath, they look really serious, you know, challenges yeah. now, along, along with Wasps. And I wouldn't really... It's those two, have, those two have really come out of lockdown, you know, with a bit between their teeth and uh, know what they're trying to achieve, don't they? Really, where others are sort of staggered into it and are a bit unsure. But uh, the interesting thing is, as well, without the crowds there, you know, you've yeah. got to have that internal drive, and um, you know, I don't think you can underestimate that. Um, you know, the sides are doing well. Clearly, have that into you know Exeter. You know, we know, we know, we know what their gripe is, and. Uh, they don't, they don't mind if there's a crowd at home or no crowd no crowd at home no crowd away you know they picked up ten points yeah I mean they 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 one thing one change I don't know if you notice is which I quite like is normally nowadays they they look to sort of especially Exeter and quite a few teams kick for the corner try and have a, a rolling mall and go for a try but when they're not too far out quite a few teams have done it especially. Um, Exeter is a little tap and go. Luke Cowan, Dickey, and uh, I think I think uh, was it Wass who did it as well. It was just quite nice to see. Yeah, okay. It's quite a, quite a nice little ploy actually, because sometimes it's better just. Well, I sometimes think, think about it as well. A lot of teams, you're absolutely right. A lot of teams go for the mall, and teams are allowed to swim up the side and all that sort of stuff, and it becomes a bit of a mess. And it's also bloody tiring mauling and not getting rewards. Yeah. Yeah. So to have a quick tap, even if you didn't score, it's the first prize you score. You're a yard out and you're straight into the pick and go. You would have been from a failed drive, but you've got more energy anyway. Exactly, yeah. So you're sort of thinking, you know what? When you think about it like that, it's not a bad idea. And the other thing is with someone like Exeter, it's a good ploy because everyone expects them to go for the corner because they've done it for years. Yeah. Everyone expects them to go for a corner, whereas a side that's probably not so adept at mauling, they might be a bit more ready for it. But uh, fair play to them. If you had to choose then the top four then for... Uh, the playoffs at the moment. And it's, I, I do quite like the fact, just a little dig here, I quite like the fact that uh, that Saracen's dented Quinns's uh, chances of getting in the top four, which is quite fun. Uh, we, we, we'll talk about Saracen's at some stage, but it's interesting to see so many Saracen's players doing so well at other clubs. You know, uh, Earl at, uh, at 
Bristol doing really well. Uh, ben Spencer at Bath doing really, really well. Yeah. Um, just feels really weird, doesn't it, to see some of these players, even Manu playing, you know, played for Leicester all this time and suddenly playing for Sale. So it, it's interesting, like, a couple of players have really stood out. Like Luke Cowan-Dickey is just, I think he scored three tries in five, uh, or was it three tries in two games? Something like that. He's, he's played very, very well, hasn't he? And some of these players are, are making a name for themselves, aren't they? They really are. They, they are, mate. They are making a name for themselves. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, in terms of the internal driving motivation, um, if it comes to it, I know we're going to talk about internationals later, but when it comes to selection for internationals, that's not going to bypass Eddie Jones's thoughts. No, no. Hold on, you know, some people are now showing that they need a crowd to be motivated for the game, do they? Well, they might go down his estimations, but um, yeah, look, it's um, some teams are prepared well. I think next Saturday will give us more of an opportunity because you know, you've got the sort of three games in a week where you know, one, one if. You know, you're either playing a sort of half, half full strength side twice, or you go full ball last Saturday and, uh, or full ball this Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, and vice versa. Last Saturday, you play a weakened side and Sale. They've gone full ball twice in a row, and they've got Bristol um, this Wednesday. No, tomorrow night they've got Bristol tomorrow night. Have, I don't think they've picked the strong side. Likewise, no, 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 they can't. So they can't pick that. So that could possibly be three losses in a row for Sale, which would mean look, they're not out of it. I'd still fancy Sale to be top four. Mm-hmm. I just look at, I look at their players. I look at the way they play, how it suits the Premiership, and I think they'll get their act together. I really yeah. do think they'll get their act together. You know, they might not get the home semi final. Bristol have obviously had two cracking wins. You know, away at Gloucester, local rivals, clearly at home to, you know, a good Sarri side who are hungry as well to win that in the last yeah. minute. And yeah. if they nick this one against Sale, that'll set them up really nicely. Um, yeah. But as you correctly say, Wasps are the team, you know, they, they, they you know, Die Young got the sack. They won five in a row. Um, they've continued it now, you know, um, after after lockdown. And yeah. uh, they're a side that I think were probably 10th or something. Maybe crazy, yeah. some stage in the season, maybe 11th. I can't remember, but uh, they've really found their mojo again. And, uh, you know, they're showing a lot of confidence. No, I agree. I mean, the, the thing about the thing about sale is I think they might struggle in this, this coming game, but I think you're, you're right. They've got enough players and especially at the breakdown, especially they're suited to, you know, quite a confrontational game. It'd be interesting to see if they can recover. But, yeah, nice to see Bath back up there where they used to be. Uh, and Wasps, you know, look like a side that might be peaking. Do, do you think they're really... I mean, it's, it's Exeter's to lose now, isn't it? They've shown such good form, no matter what sort of teams they pick. You know, they look like they're a step above everyone, really, at the moment, bar Saracens, uh, without their full contingent. So... But they'll be kicking themselves because what you don't want to do is get to another final. I think they've had four and five years, haven't they, winning once. If they if they get to another final, you know, and lose against you know a, a team like say Bristol, who are just on fire for that day, it be, they'll be devastated. They can't they can't claim um, that someone's cheated like Saracens anymore. It's just maybe maybe it'd be there, you know, in the final, not so good, you know, for them. Yeah, sorry, just correcting on the fixtures. The Sale-Bristol game is this Saturday. So I'd expect both sides to go full ball. And I think that, that'll that be, that's a Sale, so that'll be a big one for them. They can win that at home and nick some points off Bristol. 
Um, well, they've got the Tuesday game them. first, though, haven't they? Haven't they got the okay. Tuesday? There's a Tuesday yeah, they, game. Tuesday, Sailor got Wasps away, so yeah. that'll be tough because Wasps, you know, didn't go full strength at the weekend, although they won. So you probably expect Wasps to win that. And Bristol are home to Exeter. And, uh, you know, Bristol and Exeter are probably the strongest squads at the moment. You know, they've rotated a little bit, haven't they? And uh, they've got the yeah. strength to do so. And they've won two games. So that'll be an interesting one. You know, you wonder whether they want to lay down a marker for each other if they face each other in the final or not. But um, yeah, well, it might no, just be, you know, they just might be false dawns. And um, no. let's just touch on those teams who aren't doing so well at the moment. Um, you know, Leicester, you know, they've got some young guys. They just put out a young, young team at the weekend against Bath and, and got battered in the end. Um, I think from, from their point of view is, They've just got a lot of work to do, haven't they, before they, they can sort of feel the best team and or get some sort of form and get continuity. They take one step forwards and two steps back all the time. Um, again, Quinns must be very disappointed because they started off so well. And, you know, that game against Saracen has probably dented their hopes. They've got, they've got to get some wins. Northampton, you know, we all thought to some extent they were finding form that they'd have a chance of being in the top four, but the other teams playing better at the moment. Uh, Worcester as well, and London Irish just almost making up the numbers, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, Harlequins have got to get over the bogey away from home, I think, and they go to Worcester this this Wednesday, so that's a good opportunity for them. I mean, they get, their home form's very, very good, but, uh, you know, I can't remember the last time they won away, and... Uh, you know, you've got to be able to win away if you want to be anywhere close challenging. Um, Northampton, they, they they dropped a lot of games at home. You wouldn't expect them. They lost to London Irish pre-lockdown. Um, I can't remember who else. They, they, they sort of dropped a game they should have won as well. And they clearly lost to Wasps when they came back. I know they didn't have the crowd or anything like that. But uh, um, they, they, they'll be OK. I think Northampton, you know, they'll still stick to exactly what they do. They won't try and reinvent the wheel. They'll still persevere with it and they'll just learn from, you know, maybe not getting over the line. And, uh, you know, they did that. They didn't pick a full-strength team, did they, against London Irish? And it was sticky for them for a little bit. And then they came strong, you know, managed to, uh, you know, stretch, stretch away sort of around the half-time, half, half just after half-time uh, period. Um, so that might give them a bit of confidence um, going into this midweek game for them. Yeah, so with, with all of that in mind and all the, these matches are going on, I think you're right. I think, you know, it'd be interesting. We've got, you know, Br- Bristol Exeter at the top. Uh, you've got Bath, Wasps and Sale all fighting out. And then potentially we might we might see a few a few teams get lucky and, and win and compete at the end to be to be that fourth spot. But um, who do you think's really impressed now in the Premiership who you think might be knocking on Eddie's door? You may have seen Eddie... Uh, with his PPE, sort of, uh, you know, watching some of these games. Uh, ben Spencer, for me, is probably putting his hand up to get a shot at nine. Um, you know, George Ford is playing well at the moment, but uh, it'd be interesting to see where he goes with someone like Slade and Manu in the centres. Um, but what about in the, what about in the forwards? Apart from Luke Cowan Dicker, we talked about who do you think's sort of standing out? Certainly in the back row, Billy Vanipola has had a quiet, you know, World Cup. And mm. post World Cup, so it'd be interesting to see if in the back row there might be some changes because there's there's so many talented players you can pick from, isn't there? Yeah, there is. You know, Nathan Hughes is playing well for Bristol. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
And I think Eddie seems to have discarded him, doesn't he? Sort of, sort of gave him a run a couple of years ago and sort of has decided maybe not, you know, he might change his mind. Well, he persevered with Tom Curry, eh, didn't he? And, you know, Eddie likes to throw a few curveballs out there and you're never sure if it's what he's thinking or not. But certainly with these new law interpretations, you know, if you go in with Underhill Curry and, you know, maybe a Willis or, you know, a Ted Hill at Worcester, who I've always been very impressed with, um, you know, he's a big, big carrier as well. So you don't lose that carrying ability or line-out ability as well, to be honest. Um, you know, that's a possible combination. Um, you know, cl- clearly, you know, you've got other players, you know, putting their hand up as well in the back row position. You know, the resources are great. Sam Simmons is playing brilliantly for yeah. could be an opportunity. He's another guy that had an opportunity at eight, sort of maybe one or two starts, you know, the rest off the bench back in, I think, 2018, if I'm right, maybe 2019. Um uh, but it's. I think it's always about balance back, Brax. When you when you're picking your back row, you've got to know what your front front five is because now with the game becoming so much more homogenous and um, players being a little bit more hybrid, especially in the second row, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, front row. So Kyle Sinclair, for example, means you probably don't need as much of a ball player in the back back row, or you know, so someone that's going to get yeah, there yeah, yeah, times because he can do that for you. But you know, you go with. You know, Dan Cole, I know his England career is probably finished now, but if you go with a Dan Cole, you probably need to add that, you know, if you want to maintain the balance of the game plan you're trying to employ. And uh, I see, you know, possibly, you know, Billy hasn't hit the straps, you know, three, four years ago. Um, He's playing, which is good. He's fit and healthy, which is good. Um, But it will be, I think that will be very interesting to see what he does there, especially with his experiment with Tom Curry and his insistence that he's a future number eight. Um, and the law interpretations, which certainly suit, uh, you know, suit the jackal. Yeah, and that's probably not Billy's game, is it? He's more of a pick the ball or run over people. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. On Monday, we're going to be joined on Rocket by the seven star Tom Mitchell. And here's a quick preview of what to expect. I think our sevens players as well. They they're very aware that it's, you can't go and play for another sevens club. You know, we we do what we do because we get to play for our country, and we're very proud of doing that. Um, and but it does mean you're tied to it. You're bound by that um, that choice. And now that that's kind of been taken away, and obviously a lot of it's out of certain people's hands, but um, it's certainly the way we've ended up as players feels pretty unfortunate. Rocket, all the latest from the Six Nations. So, Nick, I mean, I've just been thinking about the Six Nations being so long ago. Uh, it'd be nice to finish it off. And uh, I, th- I think, I suppose, it, it, England likely to beat Italy, but Ireland, if they get their, if they win their two matches and get five points in both their matches, then they can be Six Nations champions. I think there is a, there is a formula that Scotland can still win it, which I'm trying to work out. Someone has to lose a lot. And that's that the formula stuff. for food poisoning, isn't it, for the rest of the teams? <laughs> food poisoning, that's, you're probably right. Formula think, for the chef. I know, it just, it's just really weird, though, finishing off the tournament that started so long ago. And it must be hard for the, the unions. And you look around, I mean, to see that England now, of uh, the England union are looking at making lots of redundancies. They can their sevens programme. Yeah, you know we, we'll have um, sack sack JP Doyle the ref. 
Yes, uh, yeah, and he's a great ref, and it just seems like lots of change. We'll, we'll have a good chance to chat to Seven Star and Captain Tom Mitchell in this program about about that culling. But it seems pretty brutal. Everyone's trying to save money, and we, we thought that maybe be nice to see Wales possibly play their remaining matches at Twickenham. But I think we've uh, we've we've made it too pricey for them. So it sounds like they might be going to West Ham. Um, mm-hmm. But listen, you've read in the news quite a lot and you're a coach with uh, lots of ambition and a lot of people are asking who are going to be the coaching team for the Lions. I mean, I'm not even sure the Lions is going to go ahead as predicted, but let's say it does. It's uh, a lot, lots of great coaches from around uh, around Europe, especially to, to, to make up his Lions team. You know, Andy Farrell did very well previously, but I believe he's talked to Stuart Lancaster um, question marks and the likes of Borthwick and those sort of players. Mike Cat might be involved, uh, but then I believe Scott Robinson has uh, been touted as he's actually got in touch with Gatland and asking for a job for the Lions. Uh, what's your take on that? Keep it European, I suppose. Gatland. Yeah, look, um, look, he um, he's uh, he's obviously he's a top coach, Scott Robinson, very quirky, um, got his own way of doing things. Um, it's it's how you view the Lions, isn't it, really? And, uh, you know, would have had a lot of success against South African teams um, in in provincial, provincial level. But uh, I suppose it's how you view the Lions. Do you view it as a stepping stone for a new Kiwi coach in his career? Or do you view it as the pinnacle of, you know, coaching just as he is playing? And, um, you know, it, it, it should be... I'm not saying it wouldn't be an honour for him, but it's an honour for... Guys have, you know, plied their trade in Europe, basically, and in the UK. What was interesting is um, Warren Gatlin, I can't remember where it was, he was on a programme somewhere, said that he, he had to fly to Europe after the Super Rugby and uh, and meet with the four CEOs of the home nations. And I suddenly thought, well, Sean Edwards isn't doing a bad idea. You know, Andy Farrell might, you know, he's been his defence coach the last two years. For, I'm just talking about defence now. Um, but he's now head coach of Ireland, might have a tour with them, might think, you know, two tours is enough, time for someone else. And Sean Edwards, you know, we know has openly admitted he'd like to have another crack at it, and especially South Africa, because he says the worst, you know, the biggest regret of his life or the biggest game he regrets is the second test in 2009. But uh, um, I, what Gatlin's always done is he's always had a little bit of continuity, isn't he? He's only, he only tweaks things. so. 2009, yeah, Graham Roundtree, Warren Gatland, Rob Howley, Sean Edwards. The next tour, there was only Andy Farrell in for Sean Edwards. The next tour, there was only, uh, he added Steve Borthwick, but he still had Howley, Farrell and uh, Roundtree. So he likes to keep continuity. It's a short period. You've got to know who you're working with. You've got to trust yeah. them. Um, they've got to obviously be aligned with your thinking, a lot of your thinking. Um, and there might be some very, very good candidates out there, but it's a big risk as far as he's concerned, taking big names, whether they're, they, they could be the best coach ever in that, in that field. But uh, he tends to like to stick with continuity. Now, you would have thought that probably Rob Howley might be one guy that would drop out, um, given he's you know, going to be out of coaching for a year and you know, probably want to you know, go under the radar coming back. I don't know. Um, which and he was always doing the attack. So I suppose from an attack point of view, you've got Stuart Lancaster, as you mentioned, he's done attack and defence at Leinster. It's been spoken to. Um, 
Scott Robertson, I'm not actually sure what, you know, what he was offering in terms of, because he's a head guy like Gatland, you know, he's a f- overseer, facilitator, big driver of the sort of environment and culture, but uh, whether he would do attack, if, if that's what he does at the Crusaders. Um, you know, there's some interesting names, you know, you look at forwards coach, Steve Borthwick might be busy, too busy to do it again. We've been head coach at Leicester and trying to rebuild there, but you've got Matt Proudfoot who knows the South Africans better than anyone. Oh, yeah, well, that would be a kid, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be a real coach. He coached line out and scrum. Um, And, you know, to be inside the enemy camp. And uh, I I think, you know, I I can't think of... There's probably other candidates I should know, but I think that would be a very shrewd, uh, you know, shrewd appointment. Nick Easter. Nick Easter. No, I mean, no, 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 no. no. I've got... uh, you know, I'm I'm busy enjoying my work now, mate. Day to day stuff, but uh, from afar, it, and you know, Matt Proudfoot could cover both the scrum and the line out, as I mentioned. And you know, I suppose if he brought Sean Edwards back from a defensive point of view, then there is continuity because he's worked with him for Wales for so many times. And the other thing you've got to remember is South Africa won't challenge you defensively, or they'll challenge you defensively in a different way than New Zealand, Australia would. Um, it's much more about the physical side of it and the breakdown side of it. And Wales have actually got a tremendous record against South Africa recently. They've won six out of the last seven before they lost the semi-final by three points. Um, so he knows on that coaching staff, he's got Sean Edwards, Steve Jones. He could be another one you know, from an attack point of view. Um, yeah. But going back to your point, you've got some quality coaches there. Um, I think he'll go for Lancaster just to get a bit m- bit more of a read on some of the, um, you know, of the Irish players. You never know; someone like Gregor Townsend might get a little shout. But I, I love that idea. Proudfoot going back into the Lions Den would be yeah. would be a real coup, wouldn't it? Because he knows everything about them. Um, but yeah, I, I I just I don't know why, but I just I think there's so many good coaches around. Yes, Scott, like you say, Scott Robinson has had you know great success in New Zealand, but this is a different different animal you know you, you, you've got to know a lot of players from a lot of different corners of, 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 of Europe really and probably not following as many of them but it's um, it's, it's really important well, you know you mentioned Gregor Townsend he'd named him pop into my head but uh, you know a, a very a very innovative uh, attack coach and he actually caused South Africa a lot of problems when they played in 2018 autumn so they had to say you know they're, they're only a year out from the World Cup and he caused them a lot of issues and that won't have escaped Warren Gatland. And and the other thing is, Gregor went on the 97 Lions tour. He's been a Lion. He's been a winning Lion in South Africa. And having that connection is massively important. I think the best appointment, though, 100%, big Jace, manager. Oh, Jace. Do they know what they're manager going to Manager or themselves? chairman? Is he manager or chairman? It doesn't matter. He's, 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 so, yeah. he's heading, heading it up. I think he's chairman. Uh, it could be manager. I mean, what an absolute legend! Yeah, what a great guy. What a what a lion. What a what a what a a sort of uh, personality on the pitch and off the pitch. But uh, you're right. That is a, a bit of a coup, isn't it? No, I mean, look, whatever happens, and I hope it does go ahead. But you know, we'll yeah. discuss that later programs. But uh, it's uh, certainly mouthwatering enough to uh, you know keep us from not being able to see crowds at the rugby. Mm. Well, Nick, it's been good chatting to you. I wish you wish you the best of luck with everything that's going up there in Newcastle. And um, we'll hook up in a, a week or so. We'll have another chat. But uh, I think all our listeners will wish you all the best. My my new second team is now Newcastle Falcons. 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 And 
Well, yeah. they, nicked the, they nicked the title from you in 98, didn't it? Didn't they? They did, yeah. It was... You've done well to forgive them. Yeah, well, they are now. They're my, my, my second. Actually, sorry, my third team. Bristol are my second team because I play for them. Um, you're my third team now. Um, but oh, yeah, it feels so much better, that. 